My, my name I cannot sign. Why? Do you mean to deny this confession when you are free? I mean to deny nothing. Then explain to me why you will because not... Because it is my name! I have given you my soul. Leave me my name! you drink your tea i've got a little tea yeah all right good deal i got a little whiskey so nice <laughs> monkey pump. monkey pump all right welcome back ladies and gentlemen we are the rancid tacos movie review i'm skylar sanders here with my cohort and partner in crime mason weir and today we are reviewing The Crucible. The Crucible, once again. Once again, yeah. We got some technical difficulties going on, so we're going to be well-versed in The Crucible and The Witch when they come around. Yeah, I feel like I wrote this story at this point. <laughs> You're Arthur Miller? I wish I was as dead as him. Yeah, well, he also was married to uh, Marilyn Monroe, so I wish I was as alive as him as when he was alive. He was? Yeah. You didn't know that? No, I did not. Yeah, Arthur Miller was married to Marilyn Monroe. Man, she really got around the celebrities, huh? She did. I mean, of course, she was probably fucking Joe, uh, what's his face, the baseball player, the Yankees uh, Joe guy. Joe She was probably fucking Joe DiMaggio while she was with him. And then, you know, having side flings with John F. Kennedy. But, hey, who am I to judge? Yeah, I read somewhere that she had really bad gas. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I swear I did. I'm not just making that up. Really? Yeah, I read that she was uh, really flatulent. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's, well, she's this great sex symbol of, uh, of our uh, ancestors or whatever. Well, for the record, I would have sex with any four of those people. Joe DiMaggio, JFK, uh, Arthur Miller, and Marilyn. Yeah, I mean, I'd choose Marilyn first, but, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be a che- – uh, beggars can't be choosers when they come to sleeping with well-known celebrities. Well, I was just assuming that Arthur Miller was dead. If he's the same age as all of them, um, which they're all dead too, but there's a chance, I guess, he could <laughs> still be alive. I'm pretty sure he's dead, but uh, if he were alive – because he was pretty old – I mean, he wrote this play in like 64 or something like that, maybe. So, yeah, he's pretty dead, I think. He's probably dead. If he's not, he may listen to this. Yeah. We got him and Ben Affleck listening on this. Affleck. Affleck. (laughs) So, The Crucible came out in 1996 and got a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. We just kind of did it dirty. I mean... For the writing that went into this, to give it only 68%. And plus, it's one of Daniel Day-Lewis's best uh, works, I think. Are you saying the writing 
of the producers because it was already written for them. Oh, well, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess true. And also Arthur Miller wrote it from the actual like stenography that went on during the Salem witch trial. So he's actually, he actually probably didn't have to do much work, just a lot of research. I'm going to say, I don't, I haven't read the, the play for a long time, but I remember liking it. So I'm going to think the movie's probably slightly less good than the play. Yeah, I, I don't know, but we'll see. I'm, I'm below the 68%. Uh, did you, did you like the play Goody Weir? <laughs> the play I liked, Goody, sir. <laughs> Everyone's Goody in this movie. It's great. Yeah, there's multiple Goodies. Uh, yeah. All the women are called Goody as, as though it's Madam. Yeah, and it only took me three-fourths of the movie to figure out that that's like a moniker, like Madam or Sir or or Mr. Goody Proctor, Goody, uh, who else? You know, all the goodies. I, I thought I was like good, so it could be good. Good. Yeah, I was like, how are there so many goodies in this movie? Like, was that a really a popular name at this point? Well, it's I prefer uh, the opposite of the goodies, which is the harlot or the whore, as they call Abigail, the harlot <laughs> Abigail. You are raising up a whore. Yeah, it's either Goody or Harlot. Uh, they were not yeah. shy about telling you what you were back then. Mm-hmm. Which good for you if you're on the Goody side, I guess. Yeah, if you're a Goody, you're Goody, bro. So the cast consists of Daniel Day-Lewis, who you mentioned, who's an absolute stud, powerhouse actor, and everything yeah. he's ever in. He's a monster in this as well. A monster yeah. in an acting yeah, acting sense. Yeah, the guy only comes out of uh, his house. He, he, you know what's funny about him is he actually works as a cobbler. He like he or I don't know if he works as a cobbler, but he he does cobblering. I guess you would call it as a hobby. <laughs> Why? Because he's that fucking crazy, dude. He, he he just comes out once every three or four years, does a mega blockbuster, wins an Academy Award for Best Actor, and then goes away for four or five more years. And now he's retired, so. Is he fully retired? That's what he says. Well, I don't know. There's nothing better to me than, well, I don't want to say this because we we dogged Irishmen so much, but there's nothing better than the old guy or the guy that disappears from the public eye for a long time that comes back and does one more movie. Yeah. I like that. Like, I don't like it if it's bad, like, uh, like Irishman was, but Daniel day Lewis, I could see pulling off, uh, Oh yeah. A final act, you know, one great role in a movie. Dude, Daniel day Lewis could play Santa Claus in a Christmas movie, like the same one that Tim Allen did. And I probably would just watch it and fawn over it the whole time. There would probably be nothing funny about it either. He he would be dead serious as Santa Claus. It would be like the actual Santa Claus character created from like the mythical Norwegian times or whatever, wherever it came from. I would, uh, I would say Daniel day Lewis is probably the best method actor that I can think oh, yeah. of some of the yeah. things he did to get ready for this role is he, he rode a horse around everywhere and mm-hmm. he also helped build the set uh, as, as a carpenter because yeah. I guess you gotta, you gotta be uh, well-versed in how to build shit. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and he says that he says in the, in the script that he 
nailed the cross on the built the church and nailed the cross on the on the top or whatever is that not enough when they ask about is christian christian goodness he nailed it up himself and he probably really did and yeah he might have really done that between scenes. there's there's i mean there's some really interesting stories about daniel day lewis that we could get into like uh when he was acting in the royal shakespeare theater in uh england playing hamlet at one point during the performance, he was convinced that he was speaking to his dead father, who, who was like an Irish poet. I think you so were he was telling me about him. Yeah. He had like a mental breakdown or something? So Yeah, so in the middle of the show, he, he got this like extremely vivid feeling that he was speaking to his dead father in reality like and quit the show, walked off the set and quit the show and never did stage acting, acting after that. That is insane. Yeah, and you can and see he, it in his eyes when you look at his eyes in this movie. He's not just a good actor; he he might be just full on insane. Yeah, he's and it's crazy. it's, but it's crazy when you when you see interviews with him, you see people talking to him. He's like the most like humble, normal guy that you'd ever see, and then you just hear about the stuff that he does on set. Like he got pneumonia in uh, Gangs in New York. Right. Why so just he by caught, running around and with the no shirt ne- on? Yeah, he caught pneumonia on set because he was wearing like period stuff and it was cold. And then he refused to take modern treatment in medicine because it wasn't period. <laughs> like, what a lunatic! You've got to be fucking nuts and dedicated at the same time. Like that's why Daniel Day Lewis will probably never be outdone as an actor. He gets a headache and he gets the leeches to like suck the blood out of his temple. Yeah, yeah, he's that into it. Oh, my God. So he plays, uh, oh, my God, I can't even remember. John Proctor, I'm sorry. John Proctor, yeah. He plays John Proctor, the lead, uh, and he is sharing the screen with him as Winona Ryder as -hmm. his young lover, not his wife. Yes. Uh, And she's also the lead witch. Yeah. There, quote unquote unquote, witch. Right. We should just go ahead and say there is no witch. There's nothing supernatural about this movie, except for maybe, I mean, the opening scene is kind of creepy, but there's no real witches. Yeah. Now we say that like there's nothing, like we're viewing it from a modern sense where we can use our brains and think about the situation. And we know that there's no witch craft going on it's all a witch hunt like which this is where the term witch hunt comes from but at the same time winona Ryder in this beginning scene where they're dancing in the forest as a bunch of the younger girls are out there dancing and they're saying spells to try and win over the love of their heart and so ah here's they're the spell love and they spells. cast in love, love spells yeah and then she brings out a chicken and full-on whacks it over a rock and starts drinking the blood and throwing it in the pot and and uh trying to get Tijuba, who is the the Barbados Yeah, I think we should go with Tijuba because I I saw I thought it was Jujuba, but I think I was just hearing that. And then now I'm seeing Charlene Woodward played Tituba, Tituba, T I T U B A. So I was I was definitely wrong right, about that. Tituba's a better name than Jujuba anyway. Yeah, so she's drinking blood and cursing uh, John Proctor's wife, uh, um, Elizabeth Proctor, to die so she can be with John Proctor and 
you know, just live in absolute sin. And she's got her, and her mind big, made up on John, but he's over her. He wants to stay with his wife. Yeah, he, yeah, he had a period of regression where he did fool around with her, and and he says later, "I have known her," and that's like a biblical term for "I have slept with her." And uh, and he's sworn off of it, and he says, he said, at one point he says, "I will cut off my hand before I reach for you again," or something like that. Yeah. And and this is uh, Winona Ryder's character, Abigail Williams. So yeah. so to get the lover, she she does these witch spells, but she takes a little bit too far. So the girls are busted by one of the aristocrats. Uh, I can't remember whose name it is, but it's one of the, one of the girls' uncles. They all get caught. Yeah. Uh, some of them are naked, and once she drinks the blood, they start losing their shit, going crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they, one one girl just rips off her clothes. Like that's just the most exciting thing she could ever see is somebody drinking blood. And I, yeah. all right, I'm just gonna take off my robe and dance naked in the woods. All right, and a couple of girls pass out or pretend to pass out, and it really kicks off a shitstorm. So instead of these girls mm-hmm. getting into trouble for for practicing witchcraft, they they all go under scrutiny for these two young girls that pass out. And they bring in all kinds yeah. of doctors and pastors to look at these girls and figure out why they're they're asleep because they keep this act up for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, and that's the main the main issue is that these girls are refusing to wake, and you know the doctors and the priests that are examining are like, we've never seen anything like this. This is obviously witchcraft, you know, because the girls won't wake, even though we know that they're just they don't want to get in trouble. So they're pretending to be asleep for some reason. Yeah. They pretend to be asleep. Uh, and there's a nice nod to that in the witch, which we'll get to next week, which we've yeah. already gotten to, but we'll get to it again because yeah. these fucking things. Maybe if we're yeah, not cursed we're not by cursed, the witch, if this witch podcast doesn't work, if it doesn't take work cursed. Yeah. Yeah, a little backstory on that. We've now done the Witch podcast, and the audio was messed up. And we did at least an hour's worth of the Crucible, and the audio is messed up. So we're 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 convinced that maybe there is witches, and we were yeah. wrong. So it's uh, I hope hope someone gets to hear this. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, the girls all kind of start getting a little bit of blame, but it's Tituba that gets the most blame as the slave of the colony she's a literal slave so and she's the only dark-skinned person in the whole colony so she gets the brunt of the blame and instead of backing her up abigail betrays her completely and gives her all the blame yeah and says that tichaba basically made her do all the stuff all the things and comes to her in the night in a spirit form and Yada yada yada. So she takes a beating, Tichuba does, and she uh, she gets killed for it, for being a witch. And instead of being horrified yeah. by what they did, the Abigail and the other girls, it's a whole group of them, they feel empowered by it, and they start accusing other people of being witches. Yeah, yeah. So so basically, now the town is convinced that there is witchcraft afoot. But now the, the roles have kind of reversed. So the girls, instead of being considered witches, 
are now being considered the forefront in witch knowledge, I guess you would say, or witchcraft, and they can they can tell who's been spe- sending their spirit out and who's controlled by the devil and who's they're under the spell the of the another witch. witch. They're not the the witches themselves. Is their yeah. argument? So, so they keep saying, "Oh, I saw." Goody Proctor come to me and send her spirit to me in the night and and try to cut me or whatever. And I saw whatever uh, sending their spirit out. And, and it's like because because we're, we're in such a superstitious time where ideas like this are very real in people's minds. Everyone is afraid, I, I guess, afraid or lack the logical reasoning skills to to think that these girls are just making yeah, it up it starts a mass panic uh, with everyone in the town they're all either a literal being accused or they're worried that someone is a witch and this group of a girls literal oh yeah a literal witch yeah hunt. it's a literal witch hunt and some you know some people are afraid like the proctors uh, mm-hmm. there's a nice scene where john and elizabeth proctor to talk they've already disclosed the affair with abigail to each other well he had disclosed it to her and she holds somewhat of a grudge against him but they kind of agree to stick together and hope that it doesn't happen again and they know that that's why abigail is saying that about elizabeth because she wants yeah. john but no one else knows yeah that. yeah elizabeth proctor john proctor's wife has thrown out uh Abigail Williams, who Winona Ryder's character, has thrown her out of the house because she used to work for him, but she threw her out because she knew that John had a thing for her, sort of, and she's kind of been an icy, frigid wife, and she's, you know, the the marriage is not 100%, and, uh, and she feels that Abigail Williams is to blame for that, so she throws her out well, before all this happens. She is to blame, pretty much. Yeah, but and she is she is also to blame. I mean, she's not entirely to blame. I mean, Elizabeth could have tried to done something to spice up the relationship, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, John, uh, you know, John should stick stick with your woman, but but I will say, uh, Abigail is uh, much better looking than than Elizabeth Proctor. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to looks, I mean, Abigail Abigail's the hottest uh, little target. Yeah, town. she's a she's a hot ticket in town. It, Unfortunately, she's absolutely insane. So yeah. in all these, they have these courtroom scenes because they have a proper trial after Tichuba catches some heat. And during all these trials, these group of witches just start fainting, uh, claiming to see things. They see shadows and, and dark men standing behind people when there's clearly no one there. And they'll just suddenly yeah. scream out in the courtroom and say they see something. Of course, everyone will look. Yeah. There's nothing there, but they'll say only they can see it because they're witches or they're under a spell. Yeah, and it's a group of like, like what do you say, ten to 12, 13, 14 girls? Yeah, or maybe a few. I don't know. I was thinking closer to twenty, but yeah, there's a lot. It looks well, like a small. Yeah, maybe, but when they're in the court. The, the point. Yeah, the point is, is that they become uh, high theatric. They they start employing high theatrics like one. Mostly Abigail is leading the charge, but she says, oh, I see a spirit in the rafters. And then all the other girls go, oh, yeah, there's the spirit up in the rafter. Oh, yeah, now it's down here over your shoulder and it's whispering in your ear. And the girls just kind of all follow suit and start 
saying, yeah, I saw that. And they start repeating whatever Abigail's saying and like they're possessed. And it's and- for different reasons too. I would say some of the girls, uh, well, we should note that Abigail was intimidating all the girls into going along yes. with her. But some of the girls are doing it out of fear. Some of them are probably doing it for fun, uh, immaturity, anything. You know, they mm-hmm. want they want certain people out of their way or out of their uh, life, like uh, in the example of Elizabeth and Abigail. But it's yeah. it's pretty much a mass hysteria among these girls. They're getting people killed. It's just hanging after hanging. Yeah, yeah. And essentially it's to protect their own skin to make it seem like they weren't out in the forest doing crazy stuff. Because let's be honest, they were caught uh, doing some some sort of satanic ritual stuff. Yeah, they were they were practicing witchcraft. But they're also getting people killed you know, doing what they're doing in the courtroom. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess the rule is back then, if you admit to being a witch, they let you off the hook. Is that how it went? Sort of, yeah. I think for the most part, it was like, if you confess to being a witch, then, oh, well, we can save you. And if you, which which is absolutely ludicrous because you're stuck between a rock rock and a hard place because you have to either say you're a witch, which is untrue, and or you have to say I'm not a witch, and then they just sit there. Yeah, and then they just sit there and batter you and and, t- and say, yeah, you are, you are a witch, just admit it. Okay, you're not going to admit it. Now we're going to kill Ooh, you. It is a literal rock in a hard place because they'll they press you with these stones. They put these boards across you, oh, yeah. and they press you with these Giles stones board. until you uh, just get smashed to death if you don't admit that you're a yeah. witch. Giles Corey, who is a uh, a really interesting character in this one, uh, played by Peter who, Vaughn, who was in Game of Thrones. Peter Vaughn, yeah. Game of Thrones. He's the Meister, Meister, yeah, Meister Eamon, I think, from Castle Black. Meister Eamon. yeah, like the blind Meister from uh, from Game of Thrones. He plays Giles Corey, who literally gets crushed by rocks. Uh, they're just putting more and more rocks on him till he confesses his, you know, connection to witchery or the devil or whatever. And he goes out like an absolute badass and is just like. Yeah, he says another. What? What say you? So what it was is, yeah, he claimed that someone else overheard. I guess there was some hearsay, and all he had to do was name a name, name who had heard something, and he didn't or wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and his wife was out of res- out of respect out of respect for the other person because he knows he knows that if he names the other person, that person is now his life is in danger. So instead of doing that, he, he stays quiet. He doesn't snitch or, or whatever you want to say. And he gets crushed for it. Yeah, and they're putting rocks on. They're like, just confess. Just confess, Giles, yada, yada, yada. And he literally is like about on the point of dying and just looks up and goes, more weight. Yeah, yeah he said another rock or more weight or something like that. Yeah, more weight. Like, put another one on and just fucking kill me. So he was one of the guys that that died and we should also note that his accuser uh Je- who's thomas putnam mm-hmm. played by jeffrey jones the guy from beetlejuice and deadwood and to catch a predator yeah and howard the <laughs> duck which is my favorite role he is. wasn't really on to catch a predator but he could have been because he he, <laughs> <laughs> he has a very shady past <laughs> I just caught that. I didn't even notice that. I was like, <laughs> went right by. 
Yeah, he's got a little shady of a past legally as a human, not an actor. Yeah. So uh, he's Thomas Putnam, and he's the one that has the little mini feud with Giles Corey. I guess they're neighbors and feuding, feuding yeah. neighbors. Well, yeah, and at that point of the show, uh, Thomas Putnam is just trying to to kill his neighbors so he can steal take their land, essentially. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's just not- as shady in this movie as he is in real life. Yeah. He's an opportunist, at, uh, and he's just trying to be like, well, yeah, he's definitely a witch, and now I'm going to buy his land because he's dead. So that's kind of a, a little side arc they have going the whole time. The main story focuses mm. on the Proctors and John and Elizabeth. Elizabeth uh, buys herself some time in these trials by being pregnant. Uh, I'm not, of course, yeah. she was probably pregnant before that, but she didn't do it as a strategy. It, she was just pregnant. But they won't try yeah, her as a well, witch while she's pregnant, so she has some time to get out yeah. of it. Yeah, the unborn baby is not guilty of witchery yet. So their idea is, unless she can prove she's not a witch, they're going to hang her uh, as soon as the baby's born. Mm-hmm. So John Proctor's trying to save his wife's life, and he does this by getting his one of his servant girls that was also in the woods that night to admit that it was all fake. Uh, Mary Warren. Yeah, Mary, Mary Warren, yeah. So, and she almost she almost comes to her senses. She's, you know, she's at one point tells John Proctor, yeah, this is all a lie and whatever, and yada, yada. And he drags her down to the court and makes her admit it, and she's trying to, to come clean, sort of, but she's up against a stable of 15 uh, prepubescent women who just railroad her basically yeah, and the witches got to her between the time she was ready to confess and the trial uh, it's i don't it's implied that they they heavily uh, influenced her to to recant her confession yeah so john arranges a meeting with the judge judge uh, danforth I mean, this guy is awesome the guy who acts uh, the actor who plays him Oh Paul yeah, Schofield. yeah. He was really good. And yeah. He he arranges to meet John, and John's gonna present him this witness, Mary Warren, and and that was gonna change uh, the outcome of his wife's trial. But instead, Mary Warren says it is true, and not only is it true that they're all under a spell, but they say that John Proctor is the witch. Yeah. Yeah, so then they now are accusing John Proctor. And John Proctor, up to this point, has, you know, he's a good Christian man, but he's definitely not, like, uh, he's he talks about not going to church a bunch because he doesn't believe in uh, Reverend Samuel Paris, I guess, uh, the, the Reverend at the time, who is basically sort of a fraud and it's like a political character that's just worried that everyone's going to try to take him down and take down his lofty seat. He's just really worried about face and saving face. And, uh, and John Proctor doesn't like him. So he doesn't come to mass. And then that, you know, is uh, an issue with, with the people investigating him. So they're asking him, why don't you come to mass? And he says, well, and I see all of my hard-earned money going to this guy and making his candlesticks turn to gold. You know, forgive me for being mistrusting of him. Yeah, he he is an independent man. He doesn't 
uh, go with the flow yeah. of the colony. Yeah. So, and a logical, he's one of the few logical thinkers that is just like, this is all ridiculous and you guys really need to just see what's actually happening. Here. Well, he also has a little inside info that not everyone else has concerning the affair. Oh, yeah. And so during Mary Warren's testimony, she kind of falters a little bit. Uh, the judge asked her to faint on command because if he's if she was acting like like they were in the woods when those girls fainted, she should be able to faint on command. Uh, she claims that she can't, and so she just stands there like a goof. Uh, so, which is bull, which is bullshit. Like, come on, you were just doing it, you know, just faint, yeah, man. Just fall just over. Faint. It's pretty easy to just yeah. fall over and pretend fall over. Asleep. Yeah, fall over and play dead. Come on. But John loses a little bit of credibility when this happens. So he pulls out the wild card and he tells the judge, listen, I know they're full of shit because I had an affair with her and she's trying to get my wife killed as a witch. Yeah, Ab- her as in Abigail Williams. Right. And to confirm this, they bring in Elizabeth Proctor. And she doesn't know that John just confessed the affair. So when the judge asks her, she says, no, he never had an affair proving that she wanted to save John and save his good name, not knowing that yeah. John had already confessed to it. So their stories yeah. are conflicting and the judge believes Abigail instead. Yeah. And it's, it's set up in like, this is just a prime example of how courts were run back in the day. Uh, judge Thomas Danforth says, you turn your back and you turn your back. Nobody can say a thing. <laughs> you face the wall. I'm going to call her. The wall. Yeah. I'm going to call her in and ask her a series of questions and make her admit that her husband is an adulterer. And if she says anything to the contrary, one of you is going to die. And it's uh, unfortunate. It's it's almost a a tragic moment when the wife tries to cover for for her husband. And it's a really good moment, too, because she doesn't exactly try to cover for him because she says things that are leading to her. She believed that, that uh, Abigail was trying to, to get her husband. And she believes that her husband was turning from her, as she said, and she believed Abigail Williams to be the reason for that. So she says everything. Like if you're logically listening to it as a judge should be, you would think, yeah, well, that makes sense. That's exactly the story that he's been saying. But because in the end, he asks her, is your husband an adulterer? And she goes, no, I do not believe so. And then, well, well okay. Yeah. John Proctor must be a yeah. liar. And so that puts John in contempt of court. And to further further his issues, Mary Warren fully sells him out. And she says that he's a witch. He's been controlling her. All the other girls agree. And then there's this scene where I remember it being a bigger deal in the book. They claim to see a yellow bird up in the corner of the church that they're in. Really? Yeah, all the girls. They even say it on the script, but they don't show the bird. But they all say, look, there's yeah. a yellow bird up there. And then they run out into the ocean or whatever. Is that a river there? It, they say the sea. but uh, It's like the sound. It's like the sound area where the, it's like between the sea and like the where the sea kind of just flows in and chills out so all the girls act together it's at first it's abigail but then it's all the girls they they see this bird and then they say oh he's here the devil is here with us today and they all run out into the into the ocean 
And so they're all out there. John Proctor runs out there. Judge Danforth runs out there. And pretty much the whole town are onlookers. And they're all just flailing about in the water. It's a really weird scene. But the judge just comes down to the yeah. water side. And, and John Proctor's in the water, too. And he says, so, John Proctor, do you or do you not believe in a Christian God? And, and what does he say in, in response to this judge's question? He says, I believe you're tearing down the Bible and raising up a whore. I believe that God is dead. God is dead. Yeah, which immediately seals his fate. Like you couldn't have picked a worse thing to say at the worst at a better time. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a moment of frustration for him. It boils over. But like you said, it's the worst thing you could possibly say. He's done for that. The only guy that tries to to help him out is John Hale, who was one of the original uh, preacher, pastor, reverend. Yeah, he was a reverend. Reverend. Yeah, he's a reverend that that they bring in from somewhere else because he has experience in witchcraft, and he kind of his character. I'm not a big fan of the actor portraying the part, but. His character is interesting because he's also one of the main characters that's like obviously heavily religious, but at the same time, he's a critical thinker, too, and is like trying to save John's life. And he starts to realize that this is all just these girls that have gone mad. And he's trying to convince Judge Thomas Danforth that this situation is is out of control, but the judge will have really none of it. He's not hearing to anybody. He's not hearing anybody else except for his own piety, I guess. I didn't notice. I didn't think that that actor was that bad though. I did keep confusing him with, uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but he's in everything. Uh, he's got like real rosy cheeks. He's in a lot of war movies. He He's in desperate housewives. Yeah. And I only know that because my wife's been watching it. Yeah. I don't know, but he, I'm just, I just think he plays it a little one note sort of. Like once he gets on the the kick of like, you must save him, yada yada yada, and like he, I feel like he's on the verge of crying in every scene, and it's just like, yeah, he looks pretty that, sad. Yeah, it's like this is not your scene to steal, bro. Just chill out and and do the do the dialogue, the credit. Well, the one that annoyed give, give, me was Mary Warren, uh, the actress that played her when when she recanted her. I even wrote it down like, man, she's annoying. That's awful. Yeah, she definitely has some uh, – she just gets over-emotional the whole time. And it's, it's just uh, – yeah, it's a big, it begins to be a bit much. It's, it's, there's a fine line in acting. Like you have to have the – it's just like script writing or, or writing a story. Like you have to have peaks and valleys – and build up towards a climax. And this is why Daniel Day-Lewis is so good because he does, you know, mild builds throughout the script. And as we get towards the climax, then it explodes. Some of these actors like uh, Reverend John Hale or Mary Warren just sort of explode all the way through nonstop. And they're just sort of, it loses its effect. You yeah. Know? Yeah, there's no climax to their performance. They're they're trying to go 100 miles per hour the whole time. Precisely, yeah. So after uh, all the the thing in the water where he claims God is dead, 
they have this montage of people just getting hanged over and over again. The whole town is bloodthirsty. Uh, there, it shows the crowd during these hangings. A few people are kind of uh, disturbed by them, but most people are cheering it like it's pro wrestling or something. Yeah, what an exciting time to be alive in that town. Could you, know? you imagine Sunday like, after church going to going to the town square for the hanging? You going to the hanging? Hell yeah! Yeah, I wouldn't miss it. <laughs> Gonna see some sinners hang. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, that's that is brutal. Yeah, right. And then and they were probably making their kids watch it and and telling them, you know, see, this is the Lord's work. Yeah, you'd have to think that some people weren't buying it. Oh yeah, I I feel like it's probably like just like today, you know, half the crowd is buying it and the other half is on the idiot train, you know. Yeah, but the ones in this case back then if you weren't buying it it's not like you could stay home and mind your business if you weren't there everyone's gonna know it back then uh your yeah. social standing was way more important uh basically you couldn't be left alone you were you were all part of a community and everyone knew everyone so yeah. if you weren't at the hanging people are going to question you and next thing you know you might be accused of being a witch or sympathizing with a witch exactly you're living in a really scary time like anybody at this point could be named a witch for any odd thing that they did. Like if you're if you're an oddball in any way, you're prone to go down for witchery. Yeah, it's it's mob rule with capital punishment. Yeah, it's a it's like uh, when you think back to the communism scare in America, where it's like, oh, you you support socialistic ideas. Well, then you're a communist, and now we're gonna try to like ruin your life. Yeah, they lock you up for so, that, and they'll, in this case, they'll hang you. Yeah, it's it's essentially you've got to be 100% on board with this, or you're 100% off board. You couldn't even run away from it because if you fled, you would be accused of being a witch. The only yeah. thing you could do is participate in condemning others. Yeah, it's during this montage Which, that uh, Giles Corey gets they it's called pressing where he gets pressed mm. to death and that like we, we brought it up a little too early but that was a badass scene he yeah he uh well the way he goes out is just just badass so while proctor is in uh his jail cell abigail comes to him one last time and says listen i'm sorry i didn't mean all this shit to happen i still love you i'm gonna run away i guess she robbed someone uh, the reverend yeah 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 and the reverend she steals like the reverend says she took 30 some dollars i'm penniless it's <laughs> 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 like damn 30 some dollars and he's penniless the hooker that's, took that's the wallet crazy. out of the uh, pants i guess yeah uh, not to, not to say that she was sleeping with him i don't think she was no, no, no. She's not. She's not actually a hooker, but she's definitely scandalous. Oh yeah, she's a she's a harlot. And the yeah, she's a harlot. And the whole reason for taking this money is to come to John Proctor and try to tell him, hey, the guard will let you out. I I'll pay for it to let you out, and then we can get on a ship and leave here and go start our life together. And he's like, bitch, I don't want you. He says it's not on a ship we meet again, but in hell. Oh yeah, that's a nice line there. Yeah. Which? Why would he say that he's going to hell? What did he do wrong? I guess he, he uh, did have the affair. I mean, yeah, I think it's the I think it's the whole situation. It's just he thinks probably everybody's going to hell in that town at this point. Yeah, which he's 
probably right. I don't, other than uh, <clears throat> Corey Giles or Giles Corey or whatever. Giles Corey, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. He stayed true to his guns. Yeah, but it, but it is like the whole town is so puritanical that they're almost evil in a, in a sense. Like it's when you go so far in one direction that you become the other thing that you don't want to become. So he, uh, he tells her he'll, he'll meet her in hell. So there's no chance of them getting back together. Um, Hale, Reverend Hale again tries to help John out. And he tells John, <clears throat> listen, if you just confess, they won't kill you. And he gets John to agree. Yeah. He says, yeah, I'll confess. I'll do it. So he goes to meet Judge Danforth. And he, he confesses to being a witch. And he says, all right, you just need to uh, sign this document and we're going to hang it up. What's he say? Hang it on the church door. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's going to confess to being a witch and the whole town has to know about it. And that is when yeah. John Proctor has to, to take it back. Yeah. And the whole idea is like, again, you know, ruin, ruin your good standing in the town and live or keep your good standing and die a martyr sort of. So it, his wife is definitely, yeah, you know, him and his wife have this touching little scene where they say, go to him and, and talk some sense to him. You know, he can still, he doesn't have to die for this, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, and yeah, and by the, and, by the end of it, yeah. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? What? And whenever he says, will you sign this document, just sign your name right here. What does John Proctor uh, say in response? I have given you my soul. Leave me my name. You you have my signature. Is that not enough? Leave me my name. Let me keep my name. Why is that? Because it is my name. And I can have no other. I can have no other in my life. Because I'm not worth the spirit. Bit of the people that have died for this. Oh, it's a pretty moving scene. Like it's it's Daniel Day Lewis at his finest, and this is where you just realize, wow, this guy has an extra gear that most actors don't have. Like the intensity level that he brings is. Oof. Well, I agree that it was an incredible acting performance, but it made me laugh. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe I just have a weird sense of humor, but the way he delivers it and stretches out the line. Name the only one in my life. Yeah, it cracks yeah. me up every time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the hardest part of the scene is not focusing on his teeth, which are like the grungiest, nastiest, moldiest thing that you've ever seen. Oh, it's completely disgusting, and I didn't notice how nasty they were before. So that might be a really detailed, uh, you know, touch of the the directors or the the set producers or whatever. Yeah. Well, they definitely start like the people that are, are rotting in jail come out and their teeth look just absolutely horrible. And I'm like, wow, that's it didn't take long for those teeth to grow all that mold. Yeah. He's, he's locked up with uh, Martha Corey, who's the wife of Giles Corey and Rebecca nurse. Who's just another uh, townswoman and the wife of mm-hmm. someone else who was probably already killed. <laughs> but this, yep. the three of them together, they're like on this wagon 
And that's whenever he recants his confession or he refuses to confess because of the name thing. He doesn't want his name to be sullied because of he his child. I think it's confirmed that it's mm-hmm. a son, right? Yeah. So he's going to have a son and he doesn't want his son to be yeah. shamed by the name. Of yeah. And he already, he already has two sons, I believe. So it's like, he says, how can I teach my sons to be men in this world? If I no longer have my good name, you know, what, what can I say to them that they'll believe sort of, you know? So he refuses to name any other names and he's, uh, I don't know. What what do you think about it? What would you have done in that situation? Is he being a little too proud? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I'd have just admitted it and let him down whatever and gone on living my life and tried to figure out the next part. You Was know, changing your try name to figure out, try then? to figure out. Yeah. Try to figure out how to get your name back, you know? Well, if you are accused of being a witch back then, you're done for. Uh, I don't know that that would damn your son necessarily. It, you might, you might be able to recover. Well, uh, yeah, back then, back then, it was the sins of the father were the sins of the son. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, you're you're actually right. It's still that way. Now. I mean, you know, yeah, uh, like he. Oh yeah, for not sure. to go off topic, but but Chris Benoit, the wrestler who who killed his family, he yeah. has a son mm-hmm. who's still alive and and tries to wrestle and he can't get a good job because of what his dad did. This this kid has nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he was a huge victim of the situation. Oh, yeah. And he can't huh. get a job in wrestling, so it's it's still kind of a, a thing that happens today. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, people still definitely view your lineage and, and your line. Like, it's still – people think it's not as big of a deal as it used to be, but it's still definitely viewed upon. Like, if you grow up in a rich, well-to-do family, you're looked at different than if you are raised in the ghetto of – a city in America. It's just, that's just the, the facts of it. Yeah. So the group of them, the three of them, Rebecca nurse, Martha, Corey, and John Proctor are saying the Lord's prayer up on the gallows. And it's a pretty cool scene. Uh, you can kind of see them dropping down on each side of them. And then John's finishing up the prayer and then he gets dropped down <clears throat> and that's how the movie ends. They uh, they claim that there were 19 executions in total in Salem, but it did die down as more and more people followed John's lead. Is what it said in, in the yeah. subtitle. What did that mean exactly? Like, how were more? How yeah, did it die down? I think because he he was a, a a person of very good standing in the town. Like he was looked at as a very honorable man and a very good man, and uh, I think. Because he was, but that's that's why such a big to do was made over him because they didn't want to kill one of their best citizens, you know. But when he goes down and dies for the cause, he sort of becomes a martyr, and the rest of the town says, "Yeah, fuck you. We're standing up and saying we're not witches, so you're gonna have to kill all of us." Or, you know, by that time, the judge Danforth is is really kind of just over it, and he's just like. He's even trying to get John Proctor to to just make a confession, sort of. Just confess yeah, and, and let it be, so we can let you live. Yeah, yeah, because there's one part where he, uh, what's Abigail comes to him and starts saying that um, uh, Reverend Hale's wife 
came to her, her, her in the night, and he goes, you are mistaken, child. He is a reverend, and she's like, the devil can touch any man. He said, you are mistaken. Do you understand me? <laughs> like, yeah, there's no he's had a reverend's enough- wife could be. Yeah, he's had enough of her shit, and he's realizing it too. But also, he he's a political person, so he has to like save face and not look bad at the same time. Well, he ends up looking pretty bad. They all look pretty bad. This is based off real life, and this, I'm not, yeah, not you know, not everything happened exactly as it did in this, but the pressing is real. Uh, The uh, either confess or die thing that all happened like that's. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the court scenes, anything that took place in the court is uh, pretty much verbatim taken from the stenography that was going on at the time. How accurate that is, you know, we're not entirely sure because it's they didn't have a typewriter. So it's just probably somebody writing it down, trying to keep up with that. You got to paraphrase and change stuff. Probably probably in the National Registry vault. Yeah, like we could go and find this script essentially in in the uh, National Registry in the mountains of West Virginia. That's in West Virginia? No, don't you remember in the Clerks episode, we we claimed that the vault had to have been in a mountain somewhere, and it might have... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it's right, a real yeah. vault, and it's hidden somewhere. It is a real vault. And uh, we are we want to apply for the job as keeper of this vault. Yeah, I still want that job. Yeah. So, <clears throat> that ended the movie. Uh, I did have a couple favorite lines. Did you have anything for me? Oh yeah, yeah. I got all kinds of favorite lines in this one. This is such such good dialogue. Yeah, the, and it's uh, it's delivered well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one that I liked the most was when John Proctor was getting grilled about the affair with his wife uh, with Abigail, and Judge Danforth said, "So where did you come to know this woman?" And out of frustration, Daniel Day Lewis says. In the proper place where my beasts are bedded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only place you can have yeah. an affair with a harlot is in the hay where your cow shits. That's, that's yeah. the proper place. Yeah. That, oh, wow. I didn't even make the connection of that. I thought it was like metaphorical for where his beasts are bedded, like in his soul or in his body. No, I mean, it's out in the barn. That, he actually fucked her in the barn. <laughs> yeah, dude. He took her out in the barn and had some a roll in the hay. That's hilarious. I didn't even notice that. Wow, good good way to pick it out. Yeah, that, it was funny. A lot of his lines were funny. And that one, just the way he said in the proper yeah. place. Like, uh, normally the proper place is a bed, a human bed. But he said, where my beasts are mm-hmm. bedded. Yeah. Okay, so my, my first favorite line uh, comes when uh abigail williams is talking to the other girls and she tells them about how her parents got killed by in uh, native americans and then she's threatening them and she says i have seen oh. some reddish work done at night yeah, that was and i can make too. you wish i can make you wish you'd never seen the sun go down i just loved i have seen some reddish work done at night yeah, i like that as well because it reminds me of the old sailors uh, sailors phrase red sky at night Sailors take yeah. delight. Red sky in the morning. Sailor take warning. But I always thought the red sky at night would mean someone died on that night. Yeah. But yeah, when she that was my <laughs> second favorite line as well. When she said, "I've seen some reddish work done at night." Yeah, that's that's a really good it one. Is. Do you, Do you have another one? Well, the only other. I mean, I loved it every time he yelled. 
at the end when God is hmm. dead. Yeah. Let me keep my name. Yeah, that is a that's just a great speech and scene in general. Yeah, they, they were but yeah, there. I guess I guess it, you you found it funny, so they had multiple reasons that you liked it. Well, I found it funny, and for that reason, I wouldn't want to watch the movie in front of Daniel Day Lewis because he would probably be offended at me laughing laughing. But I didn't think it was mm. bad or anything. It was just funny though. Yeah, just the way. Like, yeah, I, I get it. I get you it. You just don't hear people yell in that manner very mm. often, so it's funny to me. Yeah. So one of my favorite lines is, is another one of his. Uh, John Proctor's is, "God never spoke in my ear, and I can't think of anyone else he's done the favor." Yeah. So they're asking him to to like make sense of what's going on and he said and and well they're like well god wouldn't want that right and he's like well god never spoke in my ear and i can't think of anyone else he's done the favor so it's like the most one of the most logical lines of the play of like hey we're all interpreting god's word uh but we didn't get it directly from god's mouth you know yeah yeah that's i remember that line and i almost wrote that one down but i had already had the other ones but i like that as well and there were a lot of lines like that yeah, there were a lot. I got I got one more here. The uh, Reverend Hale is examining the skin of of one of the uh, the girls that's passed out, one of the younger girls, and the, they're talking to him, and he's like acting like he's just like the he's just uh, the cat's ass, if you will, of uh, of of witch witchery okay, and, and understanding. The beginning. Yeah, and he says we must not look to superstition. The mark of the devil is pure as stone. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, we must not look to superstition. The mark of the devil is pure as stone, which is superstition. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> superstition. Yeah, it's like, okay, all right. This is obviously this is going to be good. What an idiot. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think I thought I wrote down one more, but that might be the last one. Um, oh, oh. Uh, when Daniel Day Lewis is considering uh, lying and saying that he is, is he and, and admitting to witchcraft, he says it's hard to give a lie to dogs. And I like that when I just for some reason that struck me as like, oh, it's hard to give a lie to dogs. Like it just means like it's hard to it's hard to lie to to dirty lying fuckers, you know? Yeah. He's, he's got to lie to them to save his life, and he doesn't like them already or, or their character. Yeah. Though I, I will say, I don't think Danforth was that bad. He was just kind of uh, misinformed or. Yeah. His, he was guided by the wrong people. Yeah. And one of my favorite things uh, is uh, that I thought you might find funny is how about the witch cart? Oh, yeah. The witch cart's great. It reminded me of uh, Monty <laughs> Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, they they just have this rickety old cart that they tie and and handcuff the witches to and chain the witches to that they're bringing out and it's like this old rickety witch cart that everyone gets to ride in. I'm like, witch mobile. The witch mobile. Like, yeah, just everybody gets to ride in the witch cart. Hop on in. I guess that's uh, that was a real thing, right? Uh, you got to transport a prisoner. You can't trust them to walk. Maybe I guess you could. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it was just kind of funny because it was like this beat up old raggedy cart, and they're all like, 
looking sad, chained in the back of it, and it's just <laughs> it's like bring uh, out your dead. Bring out your dead. Yeah, it's just it's just funny. It's another period piece. We keep doing these period piece movies. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good one too, though. Uh, what kind of rating do you have for it? I, I think you're going to be higher than me. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I I I like it personally, but I'm going to try to keep my personal uh, love for the movie out of it. But I like it for for uh, different reasons. Like I don't, I think it's wonderful writing. Like the story has a great beginning, middle, and end. And, uh, and it keeps us engaged the whole time. And then also, particularly the movie part of it, like the acting, I think, is, is uh, really well done and just, just you know, top-notch, particularly Daniel Day-Lewis. As an actor who watches another actor, you, you just look for these type of performances from these, from these uh, characters. Well, it was and a little top-heavy with the acting. It, the leads were all good, I thought. Yeah, there's a lot of characters. A lot. Uh, it's a pretty large cast. Yeah. But yeah, I think he did good. And even though I, I'm not a huge Winona Ryder fan as an actress, I think she was cast perfectly in as as the harlot. And uh, um, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, um, Elizabeth Proctor, Joan Allen. She does a, a magnificent job of being this icy yet loving wife that just continually maintains the high ground, but at the same time is, is also, you know, like just, you can see, you can see she has her own faults too. And that she's like, not, you can see why John Proctor strays away from her, I guess. She was and nominated she, for, for some award for her performance. Oh, really? Yeah, she yeah, was that, the only that, one actually. I don't think Daniel Day-Lewis got a whole lot of credit for this one. That's wild. Because I think it's, I think for him, because for him, it's, it's one of those, it's a movie where he really, uh, he's a, a, an actual person and not a higher, a larger than life character, which he sort of is in a lot of his films. But those are some of his greatest roles as well. But this one, he's much more of a toned down. He's a normal human, human in this one. Yeah, he's a he's a normal human, but he just expresses himself so well. He's not an eccentric and then, uh, maniac like he is in a lot of his yeah, movies. yeah, yeah. And then Judge Danforth, Paul Schofield, I think his performance is is brilliant. Oh yeah, like, I really like him. Yeah, he just becomes like this this wonderful judge that's torn between religion and the and the you know equality of of the judicial system. And he's so cold. He's so cold and and calculated. He just does a great job with that. Well, some and of the big so, characters yeah. we said we didn't like, like John Hale, Mary Warren. Uh, there's a few other side yeah. characters that weren't great, but I generally agree. I think the acting was the best. Oh, part. even what's uh, Goody Putnam? I can't. I don't know that the lady that plays Goody Putnam that lost all of her children. Uh, she's she's particularly creepy in her vengeance. Yes, yeah, she is like, creepy. Yeah, she just does a great job just being like a creepy, brainwashed, idiotic uh, housewife, sort of. Not brainwashed her in it really, but more just like she's out for vengeance and she's out for she's out for like, you know, you just get this sense. You, you just get a real sense of authenticity from the actors in this. Yeah. And so th that's one reason that I really like it personally. But 
to be honest, as far as a as a as a a movie goes, it's it's mildly entertaining on the movie aspect of it. If you're into historical drama, it's very entertaining. But I think if you're into cinema uh, excitement, it's it's probably not nearly as entertaining. So I've, I think I've, uh, I got to. Sorry, before you rate it, I, I wanted to touch on what you were just saying. Uh, I've got a friend that when he rates movies, he rates them on a normal scale and then what he calls a popcorn scale. Uh-huh. And that's what you were saying, like a cinematic rating. So yeah. if you went to the movie theater and saw this movie, it would get a very low popcorn score, but it could get a high yeah. score as for its merits as a movie. Yeah, I, that's what I think. Like if you're if you're really studying, uh, you know, the directing, the the writing, the acting, it's top notch all around. But if you're an average moviegoer, I don't think it's going to strike you nearly as much as it would be if you were really looking in depth at it. And I think. 14 rancid tacos out of 20 is, is my fi- my grade I'm going to give You're it because 14, of that. Huh? Yeah. That's uh, Which lower is, than I expected from you. That's that's pretty decent. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm tempering it. Like if I had if I was rating it just on the way I like the movie alone, it would be probably up closer to a 17, but I think you know because because it uh, it appeals to me just because it appeals to me doesn't mean I can't understand that it doesn't appeal to other people. And I can see why other people would find it either boring or just lacking in some sort of cinematic pizzazz. Yeah. And that's, that would be my complaint with it. Uh, Daniel day Lewis is awesome. Any movie that he he's in is going to be an above average movie if he's the lead, yeah. I think. And I, I don't I've ever yeah. seen him not be the lead. Yeah. Uh, so he is excellent, and I like Winona Ryder, or Winona, Winona, whatever. I I like her, and I like the acting, but uh, there's no amazing set pieces really. And mm-hmm. if you're doing a time a, a period piece like this, you sh- you should have some great shots uh, out in the wilderness, yeah. things like that. Or it just it didn't catch my eye, and. In terms of the story, I've I've already read the story and seen you know, like a mini series or whatever. It, it's an older story, so it was nothing new there, and it needs to grip me somehow. And it was somewhat boring. I I was entertained, but only mildly. Yeah, uh, it, nothing gripped me majorly in terms of in terms of it as a movie. But I do realize that historically, it's important. Uh, the Salem witchcrafts were a big deal. I'm sorry, yeah. the Salem witch trials were were a big deal, and it's yeah. one of the uh, best movies that portrays it. So overall, I would probably give this one a 12 out of 20. Mm-hmm. Which for me, that's it's on the scale of wanting to see it and not regretting have seen it. But it's not something yeah. I would want to go back and watch it. Revisit. It's not something I'd want to do two podcasts about. Yeah, it's not something I would want to do another podcast about after this one doesn't say. <laughs> Even though we already have done two about it. Yeah, this one's going to take. I got a good feeling about it. I'm yeah. so confident that this one's going to take that I'm going to go ahead and correct the mistake we made and I made in Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. We forgot to hit the mistake. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, well, it was Suzanne Shepard. Not Samantha Shepard that played 
Lorraine Bracco's mom in Goodfellas and that plays Carmela's mom in Sopranos. Her name is Suzanne Shepard. She's an amazing actress. She's really good. So sorry that you're not seeing. <laughs> yeah. Because I know Suzanne Shepard's listening to this the same as, uh, who was it? Arthur Miller? Uh, she's, yeah, she's tweeting. Arthur Miller's tweeting from the grave and she's tweeting us, you know, right now above ground, just saying, uh, what, what junk. And if that's the only mistake we made in Goodfellas, I'm happy with that. Which is pretty good because in general, we're not doing much research and we're pretty underversed in everything that we're doing. So I think the whole, to only make one mistake is pretty good. Yeah. Um, next week, we're, we're doing The Witch. We promised The Witch last week, but because of these problems, we didn't do it first. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things that... Wait. The Veach oh, or The Witch? I like The Veach. Tune in. Tune in next week to find yeah, tune out. Tune in again to find out for sure. But there's a couple it... of similarities in this movie and uh, Easter eggs they throw in the Veach that allude yeah. to this this story. One is the fainting spells that the girls do. There's a nice scene of fainting or pretend fainting and a much uh-huh. better solution to it in the Veach. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it in the review. And also... There's a side witch in The Crucible, which she's more important in the, the play. You actually hear of the character. But there's a character named Mercy, who's one of the young girls that's a witch, or, you know, one of the, uh, the coven girls that are accusing other, other women in The Crucible. Yeah. Uh-huh. One of the twins' name in The Veek. Oh, is in The Veek. That's interesting. Yeah. So there are just a couple and- little nods there. Yeah, and I also have to formally apologize because I chose the Crucible, and then like three quarters of the way through it, I realized it's not a scary movie. No, there's there's nothing scary about it except <laughs> it's, for Daniel Day Lewis's normal psychopath eyes. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis's teeth get pretty scary by the end of it. Uh, also, I mean, it's just it it's not scary in the sense that it's like not a horror film. But it is scary in the sense that this is a true story and these people actually were murdering each other. Like this stuff could really happen. And and the reason Arthur Miller wrote this was this was uh, during he wrote this during the uh, uh, communism scare, the Red Scare in, in America. And it was to remind people that, like, you know, Every so often, people's reason just completely leaves, and they start doing these completely asinine things and and putting other people's lives in danger on ridiculous ideas. So it's scary in a sense that humans can really treat each other like this. Yeah, if you want to be but really least... scared, read up on mass hysteria on the internet. Not only is uh, the Salem Witch Trials a good example of mass hysteria, but there are some examples of other countries groups of students just like this except for way larger groups they get in these laughing fits or dancing fits uh fainting fits where huge numbers of it's usually kids but huge numbers of people are all laugh the laughing one tripped me out the most so i read that there's this laughing mass hysteria that happened in some other country where hundreds of people laughed hysterically for days and days on end, unable to stop. What? Yeah. And the same with dancing. These people danced uncontrollably, just 
gyrating their arms, just moving around for days and passed out from exhaustion. And wow. it was groups of people and it was just chalked up to mass hysteria. Yeah, that's 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 wild. It's scary. That's, that's it's scary to think you might just drive into a town one day and everyone in the town could just be laughing and then next thing you know you start getting a little chuckle and then well i yeah it's, it's laughing bad. laughing laughing's contagious i mean i me and my friend uh andy stewart in high school did a uh a little one day we were either i think we might have been high in class and then we uh we we were like hey if we just start laughing do you think we can get everybody in here laughing and we're sitting in the back of the class and we just start laughing slowly building building and then we just start like breaking out into full scale like hysterical laughing and by the end of it three-fourths of the class is all laughing with us and the teacher's laughing too and they're like what is so funny (laughs) yeah and and it was just like we just decided hey do you think laughing is contagious and we did this little experiment it is and yeah, maybe later you should look that up because it was very interesting. It's almost that impossible sounds- to believe, but it's true. Well, the dancing one I can get because uh, everybody in, in the, uh, they bring up dancing in this and the and the reverends like you let them dance. Ooh. Well, dancing in itself like, is fine, but being unable to stop is scary. Scary because yeah, then you're not scary. dancing anymore. You're you're seizing or convulsing, and, yeah. and if it goes on for days, that's spooky. So. I feel like this, I feel like this is a big problem in cultures with uh, a lot of ecstasy. Yeah, it's probably just drugs. Rave, rave dancing just all night. Like I gotta keep going. Oh. Probably like crop dusting in in those certain areas, and they're dropping some kind of chemical on them or something. Oh, oh god! That's what a skeptic would tell yeah. you, and and that's yeah. that's uh, pretty far away from skeptical. But if you really yeah. don't want to believe in anything paranormal, then. You'd have to go uh, with conspiracy. You'd have to believe. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to watch. Maybe that's it. Maybe the conspiracy theory for like, uh, uh, what is it? Chemtrails and stuff like that is just like trying to explain other shit that's going on. Could be. It's it's the only logical explanation through illogical explanations. So this movie reminds me of the kind of scary when, when you have the hiccups and you tell someone, say, you know, scare me, say something to scare me so I can lose these hiccups. And there was an old Calvin and Hobbes strip where Hobbes says, there's a gigantic hole in the ozone layer. And, and Calvin gets scared, <laughs> so he like loses his hiccups. This movie's scary mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, mass panic can happen and people can die because of craziness. But it's not scary yeah. like Halloween spooky scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We will get to that uh, a little bit more next week uh, when the witch is, yeah. the witch is somewhat scary. The Veach is uh, a little scarier. It's it's the it has the cinematic element that we're missing in the Crucible, but it's definitely not as historically accurate. I don't think, but it it uh-huh. it gives us the cinematic charge that we want. I mean, it's not based on a true story, but I think uh, it's very accurate oh, well, in yeah. terms of that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, it's not like uh, this. This is a almost a historical documentary. Yeah, it's like a doc docudrama. Yeah. Uh, the the beach is excellent. And- the the beach is excellent. It's accurate in the sense that like the period stuff is accurate, and all the stuff going on is also accurate uh, to the set to the to the witch stuff happening. But uh, but it's much more of a cinematic story as opposed to a historical drama. Yeah. 
so that'll be a little bit scarier and then we'll get scarier as we go along hopefully unless you uh, still want to do hocus pocus which ah, we'll, we'll see. see we'll see you've already i don't know i don't know i feel fucking i feel yeah I feel like I should be revoked of my rights to choose after this one, but you know, uh, we'll see. Well, I, I kind of like Hocus Pocus, so we'll see. Well, and you hadn't seen it before, had you? The Crucible? No, yeah. I don't think so. So you're welcome. Yeah, it you was know. it was a good movie. I don't I don't regret seeing it. It was a it was a twelve okay. out of twenty. Yeah, it didn't score as low as uh, what did we, what did you give a ten? Nine for The Irishman. Oh yeah, the Irishman. Oof, that was a slog. because I watched it and I regretted seeing it. So that was it was below ten for me. Yeah. So I get if I'm comparing, would you rather watch the Irishman or the Crucible? It's it's the Crucible, right? Easily, easily the Crucible. That's, yeah. That's so sad, man. The Irishman should have been good. Yeah, yeah. By all definitions, the Irishman should have been Scorsese's best work, and he should have done it thirty years ago. I wonder if we're ever gonna get to a shittier movie than the Irishman. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and the sad part, the sad part is the Irishman got ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. right? And this one got sixty eight percent. Like, ugh. what was the lowest movie that we've done so far? This one, was maybe it I can't. Sixty eight, or was uh, was Mallrats? Uh, one 50s? of the. Yeah, Kevin Smith. One of the Kevin Smith movies, I feel like, probably got pretty low. Wasn't Clerks? Wasn't Dogma? Definitely had to be Mallrats. Yeah, Mallrats must have been the lowest. I mean, Kevin Smith even says himself that he doesn't like Mallrats. So well, I like Mallrats. We love Mallrats. I love Mallrats, and Kevin Smith can just go to hell if he doesn't like it. <laughs> God is dead. Kevin Smith is dead. Let me keep my name. <laughs> Snitchy boochies. So we got uh, anything else to add, or are we wrapping it up for the week? No, I think that's it. All right. Hopefully, uh, this one was a little bit shorter, and the next one will probably be a little bit shorter as well. But hopefully, we're able to get them out quicker than yeah. two weeks. We've shortened, we've shortened them up just for our sanity because we spent a long time on the Vich. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, we spent a long time on the yeah. Vich and a long time on this one that we had to redo. So Just to, just to lose it all. If we skipped over anything, uh, leave, leave us some feedback. We don't really know where you should leave it yet, but – Leave us some feedback somewhere, and, and we'll correct it. If, if we if we skipped over anything, uh, send thoughts and prayers. You can review us on iTunes, so. Oh, you yeah, can. Yeah, but only do that if you like yeah. us. Yeah, I'm gonna go send. I'm gonna go write a review right now. Uh, it, it's the Apple Podcast thing. I don't know if that's considered iTunes or not. Yeah, I'm gonna write. Yeah, mildly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's just like the crucible our podcast yeah just like the crucible yeah people are gonna see that we're releasing the crucible and they're people are gonna roll their eyes yeah or they're gonna be like what is the crucible how old are these guys yeah even uh even my parents said you know maybe you guys should do a movie that came out i don't know sometime sooner than 30 years ago ah shut up yeah what do they know what do they know? Good movies are old movies, and it'll never be as good as it was before. Yeah. We do the movies that we like, and, uh, you know, I'm not against any new movies. I'll, I'll review a new movie, but, uh, you know, it's got to be a good one. Oh, we're, or, I'm excited for you to really see uh, Hereditary. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that, so I, I, I'm excited for You're that one. You're seeing it. It's going to scare you. 
you're so afraid of these scary movies. I can't wait. I see. That's the difference. Is like I I don't think scary movies really affect me at all for some reason. I don't. I, don't, I never get scared in the movies. You know what scares me in a movie is when things jump out at you. No, there's no jump. Well, there's a jump scare too, but you gotta yeah, watch I'm, it in the I'm, dark. I'm jumpy. That's my thing. Like if people can scare me and I, I know they're coming, I know that somebody's waiting around the corner and they could just jump out and yell at me and I still will jump. Like I'm jumpy, but movies just don't, I've never, I never had the like scare bug as a kid. Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. I'll get you. It's like the time you made me watch the exorcist in the middle of the day. Yeah. Well, I'm not watching that shit at night. Yeah, it. I mean, it. That was that was freaky to think about, but it just never scared. Nothing scared me about it. You know? All right, tough guy. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, scare me. I'm issuing. I'm issuing a challenge right now for you to scare you me. You will be scared by Hereditary. I bet by the end of it. All right. Hey, Midsummer was scary. That was pretty scary. I, it's I, the same director that, was... that did both of those. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay. I am I'm really excited yep. then. Yep, you're gonna like it. But next week the Vitch. The Vitch. Yeah, the Vitch. All right. All right. So let's wrap it up here. Uh yep. it was it was good uh, doing the, the crucible for the hundredth time. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've got nothing else to add, I guess thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week. My friends, you have not sold your... I blacken all of them when I nail this to the church and they have hanged for silence. I must have good and legal proof that you have confessed to witchcraft, Proctor. You are the high court. Your word is good enough. <laughs> Tell them Proctor broke to his knees and wept like a woman. <laughs> my, my name I cannot sign. Why? Do you mean to deny this confession when you are free? I mean to deny nothing. Then explain to me why you will because not... Because it is my name! Because I cannot have another in my life! Because I lie and sign myself to lies! Because I am not worth the dust on the feet of them you have hanged. I have given you my soul. Leave me my name! Webster to Morocco Who needs rotten tomatoes When you've got the rancid tacos Because I cannot have enough